Welcome to the Life in the Rock podcast. Here you'll find a commitment to sharing with others the challenges and joys of our spiritual journey. The goal is to offer relevant and thought-provoking material on today's issues. My name is Keith Harris. I'm the host of this podcast and the preaching minister for the Winsong Church of Christ in North Little Rock, Arkansas. The church is located at 3 Winsong Drive in North Little Rock. If you're searching for joy and peace in life, I want to encourage you to visit Winsong, where you'll discover the joy and peace that are only found in Christ. Thank you for listening. Well, I want to welcome you to the latest episode of Name Above All Names, a series where we're looking at the names of Jesus as we see them in Scripture. You know, in his teaching, Jesus challenged his followers to live lives that demonstrate a very different set of standards from that purported by the world. And this call of Jesus to his disciples was not some arbitrary instruction. Jesus was not asking his followers to do or be something that he was not. On the contrary, Jesus was summoning his disciples to follow him. In Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus' earthly ministry was beginning, he first called Peter, Andrew, James, and John. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 22. With this call... Jesus invited these men to follow him. This call was more than a simple plea to travel along with Jesus. It was a challenge to be imitators of Jesus in all aspects of his life. Ultimately, this is the call of all those who wish to bear the name Christian. So what does this call to follow Jesus have to do with the names ascribed to him in Scripture? To answer that question, we must look at yet another title given to Jesus. As we have seen before, in Acts of the Apostles, Luke recorded an incident that took place at the temple at the time of prayer. In Acts 3, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the 3 p.m. prayer time. At the gate of the temple was a lame man who had suffered this ailment since his birth. Each day this man would be carried to the entrance of the temple where he would beg those entering to give him money. Luke explained the incident clearly when he wrote, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Acts chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. At these words of Peter, the lame man's feet and ankles were immediately made strong. He began walking and leaping and praising God. 
This miracle caught the attention of many who had gathered for prayer. This man who sat daily at the gate and begged was very recognizable to the people. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This man, healed by the power of God through the name of Jesus, remained close to Peter and John. Those that were gathered were astounded by this healing and surrounded Peter and John at Solomon's portico. It was at this point, with all the people gathered around, that Peter spoke these words. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Peter stated that those to whom he spoke denied the holy and righteous one. Holy and righteous one. With these words, Peter pointed to Jesus. This title given to Jesus carries much weight with regard to his character and nature. There are several important aspects of the holiness and righteousness of Jesus that lie in the undertones of what Peter said. So, we must ask the following questions. First, what does it mean to be holy? And second, what does it mean to be righteous? First, what does it mean to be holy? Well, our English word holy, as translated in the New Testament, comes from the Greek word hagios. Danker points out that this word was originally a cultic concept regarding the quality possessed by things or persons that could approach a divinity. This word is used as an adjective pertaining to being dedicated or consecrated to the service of God. It can be translated as dedicated to God, holy, sacred, or set apart. So, in speaking of being holy, we conclude that one is set apart, dedicated, or consecrated to the service of God. In Peter's first letter, Peter offered the basis for how and why we should live differently from the world. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 16. The concluding words in this passage are taken from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. It's interesting how God used the word consecrate in this call to holiness. God said, set yourselves apart from the world. Set yourselves apart and dedicate yourselves in service to me. The basis for this call rests in the character and nature of God. Though all the attributes of God are important and dependent upon one another, the fact of God's holiness seems to be the one upon which he wishes us to put emphasis. Each time God revealed himself to man, 
whether it was Moses, Job, Isaiah, or on the Mount of Transfiguration, each encounter mentions God's holiness. Isaiah called God the Holy One more than 30 times. Psalm 99 verse 9 says, The Lord our God is holy. Because God is holy, He desires His people to set themselves apart for Him. So, what does this have to do with Jesus? Clearly, Peter identified Jesus as the holy and righteous one. Acts 3 verse 14. The holy one. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, John chapter 1 verse 14 is called the Holy One of God elsewhere in the New Testament. In John's Gospel, following the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, there's a lengthy discussion concerning Jesus being the bread of life. And there seems to be some dissension among the followers of Jesus. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. John chapter 6, verses 60 through 65. Jesus' teaching was no doubt difficult for those listening. Following these words of Jesus, John reveals that many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Seeing many turn back from following him, Jesus asked the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? John chapter 6, verse 67. Peter answered Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69. Peter acknowledged that Jesus was the Holy One of God, the one set apart, dedicated or consecrated in service to God. Another instance in which Jesus is referred to as the Holy One of God is found in Mark's Gospel. Jesus went into Capernaum on the Sabbath and immediately entered the synagogue. While he was teaching, a man with an unclean spirit entered the synagogue. The unclean spirit in the man cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Mark chapter 1, verse 24. Even the unclean spirits know who Jesus is. He's the Holy One of God. This story also appears in Luke's Gospel, in Luke chapter 4. Psalm 106 is a psalm of thanks to God for His goodness. But there's an interesting parallel to Jesus being the Holy One of God and Aaron in this psalm. When men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord... That's Psalm 106, verse 16. Aaron is described as the Holy One of the Lord. Aaron and the priesthood were understood to be holy. This is revealed to us in Numbers 16. Korah and others rose up against Moses. 
they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You've gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he said to Korah and all his company, In the morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will bring him near to him. The one whom he chooses, he will bring near to him. They all did as Moses instructed, and God's decision was made clear. Because of the rebellion of these men, the ground opened up and swallowed them, all 250 of them. From this story, the holiness of Aaron and the priesthood is made clear. This understanding of the holiness of Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, Psalm 106, verse 16, and the priesthood lends support to the priestly understanding of the Holy One of God. Jesus, the Holy One of God, is our high priest. In his first epistle, the Apostle John pointed out that we've been anointed by the Holy One, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. Later, John recorded Jesus saying of himself, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One. Revelation 3, verse 7. Jesus clearly identified himself as the Holy One. Jesus, the Holy One, is set apart, dedicated, or consecrated in service to God. Secondly, what does it mean to be righteous? Again, Peter identified Jesus as the holy and righteous one, Acts chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus is the righteous one. The word righteous is from the Greek word dikaios. This word has to do with being in accordance with high standards of rectitude and can be translated as righteous, upright, just, or fair. At times, this word has to do with that which is obligatory in view of certain requirements of justice and can be translated as right, fair, or equitable. Essentially, this word implies that the righteous will be and do that which is right always. Everything the righteous does and says is always right. Think about God for just a moment. God is righteous. God is also holy. His holiness is revealed in his righteousness. Because God is holy, he is righteous. This attribute of righteousness is the way God's holiness is expressed when dealing with humanity. Psalm 129 verse 4 declares, The Lord is righteous. Psalm 145 verse 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. While many passages speak of God's righteousness, we understand that Jesus, God in the flesh, embodies righteousness. Topher Haddix shed some light on this vastly deep subject of righteousness when he wrote, Righteousness is the perfect holiness of Christ. It is an essential attribute to the character of God, quite literally meaning one who is right. Think of it as the polar opposite of sin. To commit sin is to go against God's design for our lives. Therefore, righteousness is the only living standard that is acceptable for us to stand before the Father. The wages of sin is death, but in the path of righteousness is life 
and in its pathway there is no death. Proverbs 12, verse 28. Righteousness is the perfect holiness of Christ. He is always right. He always has been and always will be. Everything Jesus does, everything he did, is right because he is the righteous one. Everything Jesus says, everything he said, is right because he is the righteous one. As the Apostle Paul recounted the events surrounding his conversion, he told the people in Jerusalem, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who live there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Acts chapter 22, verses 12 through 15. Paul said that God wanted him to know his will, to see the righteous one, and hear a voice from his, the righteous one's, mouth. In this context, one cannot understand this in any other way other than Jesus being the righteous one. Another instance of Jesus being identified as the righteous one is found in John's first epistle. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. The Apostle John could not be more clear. Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus is righteous. He is the righteous one. Peter wrote concerning the example that Jesus set for us. In his first epistle, Peter noted that Jesus suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21-23 through 23. In everything he says and does, Jesus embodies righteousness. He is the great example that we ought to imitate. Remember his call to his disciples? Follow me. This summons is not simply about traveling with Jesus. This call is about following Jesus in all aspects of his life. This call is about following the example of his holiness. This call is about following the example of his righteousness. This call is about following Jesus, the holy and righteous one. I hope you've been encouraged by these words today. To find more on this topic or other spiritual matters, please visit lifeintherock.org. You can also visit Facebook and search Life in the Rock. I invite you to like, follow, and share this page with your family and friends. My prayer is that God will bless you today and that you will seek Him with all your heart. Thank you for listening.